0: blog talk radio hello welcome to sneak oil radio here on blog talk radio thank you for joining me today this is your host jim ventura if it's your first time tuning into the show we are a metaphysical broadcast Uh, i am a navigational consultant with expertise in astrology and numerology and and uh, all kinds of different oracles as well as a writer and a blog columnist and um, uh, we do the show weekly here on Blog Talk Radio for 45 minutes to an hour with a couple of different themes uh, that I'll talk to you about in just a minute. Um, I will mention, I'm going to get my my stuff out of the way quickly. Uh, if you're interested in any of the, the work that I do, my services, books, uh, personal sessions, either at home, in office, here in Phoenix, or by phone, go to my website at jimventur.com Very easy to get to, just J-I-M-V-E-N-T-U-R-A.com. And, uh, and check out all the info on the site about uh, connecting that way. So we do a couple of different themes on each show, and this is my, uh, once a month I uh, generally try to get an interview show in with someone who uh, is uh, often metaphysical, writer, you know, people that are doing some really great creative work uh, out in the world. So I like to do a little spotlight show and talk with them for an hour. So we do have an hour broadcast today. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to my guest today, and I'm going to talk to her for a bit, and then a little later on in the show, I will open up the phone lines if you have any questions or calls, but that's going to probably be about a half hour into the show before I'm going to do that. So I want to welcome uh, Michelle Lee to the uh, Snake Oil Radio show today. Michelle, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Jim. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Great. Thanks for being here. So, you know, I like to kind of uh, really rather than than me kind of explain you, I'm going to have you explain you. (laughs) So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you do, and then we'll kind of get a feel for, for your work.
1: Excellent. I would love to. Well, Jim, I do a couple of different things. I'm an emotional freedom technique practitioner. I'm a certified hypnotherapist. And I use those two modalities as as, as well as soul realignment to specialize in working with women and teen girls to um, release the old stories, the um, cultural stories about what it means to be female, what it means to be a woman, and how that has affected their sense of adequacy, and sense of self-worth. So as I use those two modalities to work with women and teen girls on a one-on-one basis as well as in workshops, I've also written a book called Women from Profit to Power, Your Guide to Claiming Your Worth. In that book, I go through the history of women and the sense of women's inadequacy and how we have come to harbor a deep sense of shame and guilt and how that affects our daily lives.
0: Interesting. All right. Yeah, and I think that uh, you bring up an interesting point here. You know, even for me, you know, I'd say probably 85 90% of my clientele that I work with are women. And um, I, I absolutely see what you're talking about all of the time, um, and I think you even can trace this back to cultural philosophies, even within the, in the scope of Christianity, where sort of Eve was the one who tempted Adam and then made us all pay, so to speak. And in terms of well, I'm not saying I agree with that at any level, but I'm I was just mentioning it as a cultural archetype, even that that goes way back, and I and I certainly see this. Um, and, and other effects that, that obviously women take on, um, you know, it, it, as, as a role in society. In, in that sense, um, so what? What actually? Can, can, what actually got you into this work? I, I always like to kind of look at, at people's roots before we, we go deeper into talking about this.
1: You bet. But I do want to add that what you say about you know religion and the Bible, I do go deep into that in my book. Um, we carry those archetypes mm. within us, and so I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, what got me into the work was well, about 18 years ago after the birth of my second child, I had um, postpartum depression, and I decided that I I felt that women should have an easier time giving birth, that it shouldn't be so traumatic, and it shouldn't be so painful, so I began looking around for ways to help women give birth and I went into hypnobirthing which mm. I taught women to use self-hypnosis during the birthing process. And I witnessed a woman after woman having painless childbirth naturally. So when I saw the power of hypnosis during childbirth, I went on to, to get my certification in hypnosis. I've always been fascinated with the power of the mind and the subconscious mind and how that Affects our daily lives, and once I got into that and working with hypnosis, I really began to focus on women, being a woman and struggling with self-esteem and self-worth. All of my life, I I really began to focus on them. And after a few years of doing straight hypnotherapy and talking to women about scheduling time on their for themselves along with their family and them looking at me with big saucer eyes like, you are kidding. How am I supposed to schedule 15 minutes a day for myself? And I found it a great challenge to, with just hypnosis to help women embrace their own divinity and their own worth to be able to take time for themselves and how that would ultimately Benefit their families that I looked for something faster, and I found emotional freedom technique and so now I use both techniques, but that 's how I got into it and and life experience raising daughter um, raising a daughter and having Seeing her struggle with self-esteem and self-worth and body image, and um, that story goes on and on with the struggles that my daughter had. It made me really want to look at what is our unconscious motivation. Why is it that I would see grown women running, you know, successful businesses on their own, their own businesses, but yet when they would get involved with a man, they would lose. Lose theirs completely and put everything, even their business, at risk. And I and I began to wonder, what is motivating us? What is this unconscious motivation? And so I started, you know, uh, meditating about it. And and my first product that I put out was, is a hypnosis CD called "Fall in Love with Yourself."
0: Interesting. yeah, and, and that sounds awesome. Because You know, and it's funny because I've actually been talking about this a lot with with clients because I, in a similar vein, and I want to go back to the the, hip, the hypnosis point in a minute here, but in a very similar vein, you know, I see this a lot with women, also with men, but particularly with women. You know, I always tell people it's very funny because I think we also have this cultural archetype that we sort of follow where, you know, it's this fantasy that, like, you're going to meet the love of your life when you're 16 years old. And you're going to have this amazing relationship and you're going to die together in a rocking chair at 94 and have a mutual heart attack. And, you know, this is my, <laughs> my, my sarcasm about the situation because I say it's a great plan except that, well, what is that, one out of, uh, you know, every 270,000 people are having a, some type of an experience like that. So I think women in a lot of ways even take that harder this idea that you know that that you have to put everything to the side at some level for a relationship to glue it together um in, in a way to me that can that can become really very unhealthy in that sense. Um and I absolutely see what you're talking about without question about, about the self esteem issues. Um so I think it's great work that you're doing in that sense. I mean I, I can talk to women uh um, but you know sometimes it's another it's another woman that, that can really get them to fully understand those issues, you know, in that sense as well. Um, And and I think with hypnotherapy, and and see if you're in agreement with about this too, you know, there's different approaches to looking at these wounds. And and hypnotherapy, by the way, is an excellent approach to to working with that. And I'd like you to talk a little bit more about about what hypnotherapy actually is in a minute because I think a lot of people have misperceptions about what hypnosis is. But to me... What what you're often doing with hypnosis at, at one level that, that, that's part of a healing process is also it's looking at the beliefs that were formed at some level when you were younger. So, you know, for instance, I mean, you know, a, a woman, women will be given certain messages about how they're supposed to be and then they decide that that's the way they're supposed to be. And if they're not, of course, the self-esteem plunges. So a lot of times even when I work with people either on a conscious level, I help them to root back and look at what you decided about life in that sense and what you were fed and whether that really has anything to do with your actual life and what you really, really want to do and whether it's, it's, it's empowering you or whether it's taking you down. So,
1: exactly. You,
0: uh, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I guess it probably does. Of course.
1: Um,
0: so, let me talk a little bit about hypnosis because I do, I, I really, you know, I don't do it as a priority thing. It's something I'm able to do. Um, with people uh, i tend to work more consciously with people but i'm amazed when i do hypnosis sessions like even past life regressions and things like that at the misperceptions people have about what hypnosis is so i'm going to let you run with that ball for a minute here (laughs) and explain to people what hypnosis is about
1: oh you bet i would love to Hypnosis is simply a deep state of relax, physical relaxation and mental relaxation where we take the mind into a deep relaxation into the alpha and theta states of wavelengths where the mind is quieter, it's not as active in thinking, and it opens up the critical factor, that doorway that goes into the subconscious. And Most of our belief systems were formed when we were children, many times, much of them before the time we were six years old, because that door, that critical factor that goes from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind was wide open. And so when we looked up to our parents and other authority figures, they were literally our gods. Our parents were our creators. And as children, that's what we looked up to them as. And so the things they told us, the ways they behaved with each other and around others and with us formed our belief systems about ourselves. And belief systems are simply exactly what you said. They're they're statements we decided were true. But before six years old, we really didn't make any decisions. We just sort of right. swallowed, swallowed up the information, right? So we just took it yeah. in and, and we made it real. So with it, hypnosis, it, yeah. we, we go into that dark little closet of the mind, so to speak, where those stories are held. And with hypnosis, we can actually let it know that you're – because the subconscious mind, its entire purpose is to keep you safe. I mean, before we're six years old, we're new on the planet. We're, we're um, you know, for this lifetime anyway. And we're just kind of absorbing how to behave and how to be and how the world works. And so um, our subconscious mind takes that in to protect us. In, in, its, in the best way we can, so the belief systems we form at the time are very useful and they protect us, but as we grow up and we become adults, we're still motivated by those unconscious, subconscious beliefs and fears, and that's what we act out of. So hypnosis can really get in there and shift that around. Now. hypnosis isn't some freaky trance state as you know that we can go into and make you do things that you wouldn't normally do and that's what freaks people out that you know hypnosis has been so hollywooded up and it's, it's really a lot of fun and you see the stage hypnotist and it's funny and people act crazy and and but that's that's for entertainment and those people that are doing stage hypnosis are uh, entertainers. They like to be the center of attention in a therapeutic setting. In a therapeutic setting, you know, I tell people, you know, almost how many people have said to me, are you going to make me quack like a duck? And I said, well, I tell you what, if you quack like a duck, I'm charging you extra. Right. So, you know, in a therapeutic sense, it's really about shifting, shifting the beliefs that we absorb as children. And just about everything comes from the younger years, and, and, and even older, after the age of six, we see things happen. We see our parents behave in, in certain ways, or our teachers say something to us, or our grandparents, and we actually make decisions about what that means about us. And, and, and honestly, Jim, I use hypnosis as a small piece, of the work I do. And I use mostly emotional freedom technique because for one, I find that it's faster than hypnosis to clear those fears and we can work backwards and find the source of them. And then I use hypnosis to reframe everything, reprogram the mind. We've released the fears through emotional freedom technique, the tapping, and then we replace what was fearful with the positive of what we want. Right. Which I find yeah, the two the, modalities together are incredibly powerful.
0: Oh, very powerful. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you bring up a great point about that, too, because I, I, I tell people, I, I think the word for it is sonibilist. Um, but I'm not 100 sure about that. But the people that, when a stage physician looking, when a stage hypnose, hypnotherapist is looking, he was pulling the people out of the audience who are sonnibalists, who are the ones that go very deep, very quickly, and are really easily open to suggestion in the most deepest kind okay. of way. Because what I'll hear from a lot of people, people say, well, I don't think I can be hypnotized. And I'm always like, well, yeah, you can. You're hypnotized when you're like watching a movie for two hours and someone comes into the room and you almost didn't even notice him because she was so focused on the movie. That's hypnosis at some level. Exactly. It's, a, it's a narrowing of focus, and we're all capable of, of doing it in that sense. I, I even say, you know, sometimes when I'm at the gym working out, I'll realize that for a couple of minutes, I've just been sort of sitting there staring for a few minutes right. in that sense, but it's a form of hypnosis where you just kind of get lost in that moment, which feels really good, by the way. I, I think you might oh. want to remind people of that, too. It's not a, it's in no way an uncomfortable process, I think. Hypnosis oh, absolutely. Is a good process.
1: So, it's yeah, the best I mean, feeling in the world. And, and you know, they say 20 minutes of deep hypnosis is like a four-hour nap. And it's mm-hmm. true. It is The deepest, and how many, so many clients I've heard them tell me, you know, I just don't know how to relax. And then they're so amazed, you know, when they come out out of the hypnosis. They're like, wow, I've never relaxed like that. And it just does, it feels so, so good.
0: Yeah, and and it's a great trust factor working with someone who can help you to get there. But, you know, I'm lucky in that way, too, because I started doing hypno, self-hypnosis and hypnosis, like, I mean, 17, 18, 19 years old, I was doing it. And I can tell everyone out there for, from practice, just even on your own or with someone else, one thing I've got down to a science is my ability to relax. I'm really an expert at it. I mean I you know sometimes I think people think I'm the laziest human being on the planet. I consider that a compliment. I could just <laughs> not fall asleep anywhere i can I'm really good at it. I would just say it's, it's called like internally shutting the hell up with your mind shatter that never stops too That's another thing is just to narrow the focus down in that sense and and, and, and you know, and, and shut the mind down for 10 seconds. I mean, because it is, we've got this constant stream of chatter going on uh, internally for for most of us. Um, but uh, I like the point that you brought up about, um, uh, you know, about the, the beliefs being formed before the age of seven. Absolutely, you're, you, I completely agree with that. You know, and I, I can actually use my own family as an example of this, too. It's very funny, because I tell this to clients, too. Like, if you're, you know, if a little girl is five years old, hear something like from uh, a parent or a primary person, that someone says to her, aren't you a cute, chubby little girl? To me, yeah, unless that's right. ever analyzed or dealt with, she'll often have weight issues for her entire life. Because exactly. she'll decided that was a fact of reality in that sense. Right. And Right. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me how that operates. Because in, in my family, and I think I might have mentioned this in a, a previous show, and it's going to sound like such an arrogant thing to say, but... Uh, I'm a little arrogant, so I, I have no issue there. <laughs> and I, uh, but I, I, come from a family of seven kids, and my mom had nicknames for all of us. My older sisters, one sister was Tuffy, one brother was Blobby because he was on the heavy side. One sister was called Chicky. I mean, they all these weird names. But her two youngest, me and my little sister uh, Diane, were nicknamed Handsome and Beauty. And, of course, we got our asses kicked by my brothers and sisters for that, by the way. I don't know if Tom did us a favor. But here's the cosmic joke behind the thing. You know, I mean, my mom was us when we were little kids, you know. And, well, my family, everyone's attractive within reason, but probably the prettiest are my little sister and me. Uh, You know, people thought you just got the good genetics. I "I don't think it had nothing to do with the good genetics. I think it had to do with That's what we were told early on. I was handsome and she right. was uh, – uh, I wasn't handsome and pretty. It was handsome and beauty, by the way. Uh, right. So we bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And then later on in life when I was analyzing my beliefs and looking at it, I was like, I think I'm going to keep that one. You know what I mean? That's not one I want to toss. It's valuable. You know, so it's, it's funny because I'll tell people that too. I say, you look are more malleable than you know in that sense it really has a lot to do with your self-esteem and how you feel about yourself and i mean to me you know so uh i figured i'd use that that arrogant point but it it does happen to be kind of somewhat true in that sense uh
1: it is that's a great point that's a great point that you know we we buy the stories we're told and 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 the thing is is with emotional freedom technique the tapping it's really a simple process and people will say well why do I need a practitioner um, for EFT? Because I can get online, I can learn it, I can go through it, I know what I'm feeling. And, and the belief systems are a little bit harder to discover yeah. when they are our belief systems, because right. when they're ours, they're a reality. It usually takes a person on outside of you to go, oh, wow, that's quite a belief system. And, and my clients will go, well, what? <laughs> you know, And I'll reframe it for them like, Oh, I thought that was just the reality of it, and there is no reality, right, Jim?
0: Right. It's your right. It's what you you know. I you know, and I tell people all the time too, It's very funny because it's a great point that you're bringing up too. Like even when people work with me in some of the different things that that I do, you know, I have regulars that come in like quarterly and they work with me. And 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 in some cases, you know, in most cases, after you know a year or two of working with me. You know, they don't come as often or I don't hear from them for a while and then I haven't seen them in two years and they come in and, and they look at me and they say, um, oh, you know, I, I, I've been really busy. I haven't been able to. And I, my, my thought is, no, no, you, you learned enough of, that I work with and the things that you're, now you're able to do it on yourself and you're in a good space. Like, that's my goal, <laughs> to, to get people to be in that place. But you're absolutely right. Sometimes it really, David, sometimes it's often really good to start with a good practitioner in the way that you're talking about, too, and even similar w- with the work that, that I do, because, I mean, I get a lot of people that read their own tarot cards or do astrology, but the benefit is we've, by working with so many people, we've also worked through a lot of the traps, the things that will oh, throw exactly. you off, the, the misperceptions, those things early on. So you get someone to kind of help you with that, and I'm sure you would probably be in agreement with this, too. I mean, your goal is not to be, be working on someone for life. I mean, at some point your methods should work where they're good.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's
0: like when I, whenever I run across, those laugh because I'll run across someone who will say they'll say, oh, I'm an alcoholic and I say, wow. And they'd say, well, I mean, I have, let's say I haven't had a drink in 25 years. I'm like, well, then you're not really an alcoholic. No, no, I'm still an alcoholic. I'll always be an alcoholic. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. So I, I think the, that the uh, which we call it? the seven step program has some great elements to it. I'm mean, absolutely no way putting it down. You know what I mean? But I, I just think after 25 years, you, you're not an alcoholic anymore. You got that, you know? Uh, but uh, at some
1: point, you have to give up the story, right?
0: Yeah, you got right. You got to you got to sell the, the crappy story. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a certain point right. where you know. I literally said I'm 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 very lucky that way because like I, I can be nice. I can be very melodramatic when I'm in pain in that sense, but I do it very briefly. <laughs> I get bored with, with being sad or miserable. I think it becomes a performance after a while. I mean, it's sort of like, absolutely. you know what, the relationship didn't work, the situation wasn't where you wanted it to be, you know what, next. I mean, it's on to the next thing. Let me mourn appropriately and then be done with it in that sense. But I think um, you're absolutely right, and in, in, in I think for a lot of people, the wounds, the things that are, that are not working are, are held on as such facts as opposed to necessarily beliefs for that person.
1: Exactly. It becomes a part of the identity. And, and I find that in people that they're actually afraid to give up those stories or those wounds because they don't know who they would be without them, one, and they're afraid of the relationships they will lose if they give up those stories, if they give up those wounds.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think
1: so, yeah. that's a great point. So it's really all about finding, you know, when somebody comes to you or comes to me and they want to come in and they really want to create a big shift in their life, that's always possible. But it's uncovering the unconscious or the subconscious motivation and if if we're experiencing anything in our lives whether we want it or not consciously it's just like losing weight I want to lose weight consciously I want to lose weight but I'm still eating the, the bowl of cereal right before I go to bed you know to get that sugar and I start my day every day with a with a Starbucks you know consciously I want to lose weight but um subconsciously, there's a very strong motivation that I'm attached to that keeps me behaving in the same way over and over. And so whether whether it comes to weight loss or it comes to um, not being able to write that book you want to write or overcome some uh, trauma or the wounds of childhood, um, it really comes down to finding that hidden motivation. You, You know, what part of you is hanging on to that story? And You know, I've worked with people, men and women, coming in to heal the trauma of their childhood, but then there's always that part of them that uh, wants to hang on to the wound to make their parents suffer through guilt.
0: Right, right. Right? Interesting, right? Yeah. It's the, you know, I I call it the, the, the martyr validation point. If you, if, you give up the, if you give up the wound, right, you, you're losing a part of your identity. It means that the original oppressors, somehow you feel like you're freeing them. But exactly. to me, it isn't even about freeing them. I mean, you know, most of the, I would say this to people all the time, listen, 90, 90, 99% of the people that do offensive things to you really weren't actually planning on doing it. You know, I mean, you know, even you, know, even you're, you know, have lousy, horrible parents and their own distorted way they thought what they were doing was good, even if it wasn't in that sense. So, yeah, so when you're, you're forgiving them, you know, and freeing yourself, you know, you don't, you're not okaying that and saying what they did was right. You're just releasing the wound of it and how it affects you.
1: Exactly.
0: Not, not always easy to do, but it can be done.
1: Exactly, exactly if you're ready to if you really want to move on, it can be done and and it doesn't have it doesn't have to be a long process either, well, especially when you figure out the the hidden motivation of hanging on to it
0: that there's some gain in it and and you know and it's funny because I remember reading this years ago um in my my early studies of metaphysics I was reading a lot of channel books, and one of my favorite channels was a woman named uh, Jane Roberts, her channel for Seth. And he talked about how you create your own reality. Amazing, amazing material. Could not recommend it enough. It's all still in print. But one of the things that always got me that that Seth would say when he was channeling through Jane was he'd say, you know, you've been led to believe that your beliefs, the things that you believe to be true about life, that you have to go digging around like a detective in a way where they're hidden behind barriers and bushes and, you know, you've got to dig and dig and dig and dig. And he said a lot of really what you believe is really quite consciously at the forefront of your awareness, but you just have not looked at the idea that it is, um, that it is, uh, uh, you know, that, that it is so available. You take it as a fact of life. Like I've even seen this with people when they're, when they're working on losing weight. If you're working on losing weight, but someone on the line told you that skinny people were, were bitches and crappy human Thanks. beings. Exactly. Guess what? You're not going to let that happen because you made this decision right. about about that fact. And I know it's certainly for a lot of women. Um, I, I I definitely touch to a lot of women who have had weight issues. A lot of times, there's a, a deep-seated message about letting yourself be beautiful and the dangers of that. Oh, they exactly. It's, it's dangerous, right? To, to necessarily be that way. I call it the cosmic joke. A lot of times, when couples get married you know, within the first year or two, they both gain a lot of weight. Uh-huh. And people say, well, it's because they're eating well. I'm like, no, I think they've fattened up so they think no one's going to look at them anymore because they're off the market. <laughs> like, it's almost like a safety net, but it's like, listen, that's not going to stop people from finding you attractive, <laughs> you know? It's nothing to do with your morality and your integrity in that way. And uh, I know I had a long-term relationship some years back and that's the first thing we got together and after we lived together I mean I put on like 12 pounds and I was just like what's (laughs) going on here you know I "I don't like carrying this extra weight but uh, but uh,
1: exactly no no I'm done well
0: you should should interrupt me from time to time you're allowed what
1: okay that goes back to um, the archetype too and religion when it comes to women and weight I mean, religiously, um, beautiful women have been the temptress. They're, they're the dangerous right. ones. And so it does come down to, and I've worked a lot of, with a lot of women, overweight and self-trust. And, and like you said, fearing being thin and attractive and not being able to control themselves. And then there's the opposite, too. Men coming on to them and them fearing that as well so the motivations are they're innumerable
0: innumerable it it, it is i I think these are really very cultural wounds that a lot of women carry because for for me as a guy it's almost a little bit like an opposite type of a thing in that way when i was when i was younger i was skinny so I, i put a i put a fair amount of muscle on over over time to really to make me um impenetrable in a way to max out the male physique in a positive way, but also you know, to make people think twice about messing with you. And, uh, sure. and it, it worked really effectively, by the way. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it's even weird to me when someone challenges me at all. I'm always like, I'm a 210-pound bald boxer. You know what I mean? It's like, wait, <laughs> out of your mind, you know what I mean? But the funny part is, if I put on a couple of pounds and I decide to get lean and I start losing weight, you know what ends up happening in Emotion, my emotional body? I start feeling like I look like a little boy when I get skinny. I look yeah. weak and frail. It, yeah, That's what happens psychologically. And I've talked about this with buddies at the gym. And they're like, I totally know what you're talking about. Like it's like you're like, I, you know, a friend of mine, a very big guy, 230 pounds of muscle, you know, six foot tall. Um, I saw him the other day and I said, dude, you're looking good. You look like you, you're getting lean. And he said, thanks, man. And then he came back 10 minutes later and he said, do you think I? Do you think I'm starting to look small? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I laughed. I'm like, Dude, you're never going to be small.
1: <laughs> you know, you're like this
0: big burly, you know, milit- ex-military yeah. guy. You're, you're, but he started laughing too. He's like you're right. We have body dysmorphia all over the place. They think it's oh, a little ex- different from men. You know.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Coming
0: from a place of wound. Uh, but, I, you know, I tell women this all the time, too. I'm like, as women say, oh, I just want to get really, really thin. And, you know, and I'm like, well, listen, I mean, most heterosexual men, I, I know pretty much 90% of them like curvy women. If they didn't right. want some curves, they would be with men. <laughs> you know, that's for me. That's another thing. I think it's, I would say that the competition among women is women is worse than it is, you know, from women to men. You know and I mean about about those things as well, but that's a whole other subject. Um, well, let me let me give you a minute here. I want you to tell people how they can, can reach you, and then we'll kind of continue on with the conversation. Um, what's your? How do people access you?
1: Oh, through my website, which is www.athenarisingnow.com. And from there, you can reach me um, on my contact page. You can see the work that I do, working one-on-one, uh, teaching groups, as well as doing... Uh, soul realignment reading that works at a psychic level. So it's www.athena, like the goddess, risingnow.com.
0: Cool. All right. Awesome. I want to – we'll we'll put that info, again, up at the end of the interview. Um, I'm going to open the phone lines up in case anybody has any questions for, for Michelle. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to take a call or two today. Otherwise, we're going to continue on with the interview for the rest of the show. Um, so the guest call-in number here is uh, You may need to dial a 1 before that, depending on where you're calling from, guys um, and gals. Uh, That's 646-200-3966. And uh, Michelle is open to taking a couple of calls if you've got any questions or comments to share. We're open to that. Um, I have to be careful when I say I had someone reprimand me once because when I said uh, guys... Um, she said, you know, you can't just refer to a group of men and women as guys. I said, oh, stop with the <laughs> political correctness. I said, I, I don't, I don't she said, say folks, sir. I'm like, no, folks sounds like you're talking to a bunch of 87-year-olds.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? Guys, it just, it's, a, it's a familiarity. It's You know what I mean? It's a bunch of people. How are we doing, guys? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, come on, I please don't you. try to don't try to put any sexism on me. You, you would be wasting every ounce of effort you could possibly have on such a thing. I never, I, and I can tell you this with complete sincerity, I never got any of that, even when I was a kid. Like, sometimes my best friend was a girl, sometimes my best friend was a guy. Like, I, there was never any demarcation for me <laughs> my entire life, because I always gauged it more on who was most fun and entertaining. I just never, ever saw... You know, to me, there's a difference between men and women, obviously, but not that much <laughs> to me in the sense that everyone wants to be happy, everyone wants to make money, everyone wants love, everyone wants to be comfortable, everyone wants to have fun. I mean, that's universal. You know what I mean? I, I absolutely. Think, you know, this, so I think we get, we miss that a little bit in that sense that we're more way more similar than we are necessarily different, you know? Um, oh,
1: Absolutely. I'm blessed with. Uh, I have a son who's 11, and he is the same way. He hangs out with girls as much as he hangs out with boys, and I yeah. love seeing that. You know, I love seeing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's just you know, and I, I think that's one of the good things about you know where we're heading. Anyway, in that sense, I think uh, I always hear people talking about how the world is morally um, morally defunct and bad, and it's getting worse. And I'm like, nah. I got to tell you, there's a lot of areas where I think it's getting a lot better, in that sense. Um, but uh, I know I still agree. You know, when, when I was young, I've said this on past shows. When I was a kid, I remember um, I, I remembered living in other lifetimes. I, I just remember past lives. It wasn't. I just thought everybody did that. I didn't know that people didn't do it. We're not going to get on a past life discussion tangent here. I just want to mention this. But I remember <laughs> being about seven or eight years old, and someone asked me about that. I said, and I said, I'm so glad I'm a man this time. It's so it's easier. <laughs> and they were like, "What?" I'm like, I remember being women, and it's harder being a woman. A woman to me, in a lot of ways, just because of to me the the bullshit in society about what's oh, expected awesome. of a woman, and you know, even you know, the next president to me is very likely going to be Hillary Clinton. Um, and people will still say things like, well, if a, you know, a woman's in a, in a bad mood, you know, to cycle or something, you know, she's going to start World War III. And I just think to myself, what are you, an idiot? You know, I mean, <laughs> men are just as moody as women. <laughs> and maybe even more dangerous when it comes down to it. Like, what are you talking about, you know? What? Uh, silliness, this weird projection. And sometimes coming from women saying things like that.
1: You, and, you know, that's so true, Jim. And I... And I've had women ask me, and I've had women, I've heard women, and talk about other women and dis other women, and you know, if you're on Facebook, you see the card where uh, some guys saying, "Well, women understand each other, and they don't like each other," and you know, I, um, I was fascinated by that, and and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book that I wrote because. I've always been I've always been interested in motivation. What motivates people? And and so I, I wondered, well, what motivates women to um, to compete with women and to dislike women? And, you know, and we live in a man's world. Ultimately, we still live in a man's world. It's becoming more and more where um, we're embracing the feminine aspects, where we can co- we can look at. Um, the, the energies that men bring and the energies that women bring and start to see them as equal and, and um, compatible with each other and we can work with both of them. But if we look at history, if we, if we go back and if we just go to biblical times, which a lot of people think that's when history started. History didn't start with the Bible. It started long before right. that. But if we, if we look at biblical times, We can see that women were considered property, and a woman needed a man to survive. If she lost her man, if he died, then she would lose her home, she would be out on the street, and she would be open prey to be murdered, to be raped, to be abused, Mm. to be taken in as a slave. You know, so women needed men. And that energy that archetype that is still in our morphic field so so still it's in ourselves it's in the field around us the strong energy that women need men and there's fewer men than women so we compete with each other we're we have right it's been set up that women are naturally competitors with each other that i mean our grand prize historically our grand prize as a woman was a husband
0: right you know
1: so so you know and we still get that those messages i mean i still know women who are single you know getting in their 40s and 50s like like me 40s and 50s single you know, we're perfectly self-sufficient and capable, but there's still that energy that uh, somehow we're incomplete. And it's really having to disengage from these cultural stories, but they are so strong that women don't even recognize it when when they're insulting other women. And so since the point of power is being male, we, women tend to identify the point of power to fit in. And, and we've seen it um, historically when women get into, get, into the, get into business, get into politics, they start behaving like men. And part of it is to survive, is a survival mechanism. But as we're moving into this new millennium and this new age, we, we really need women going into – business and into corporate and into politics as women. Right. Using our intuition. I agree. Focus, yeah. So the motivation, I was always looking at, you know, what motivates people? Why would women behave that way? And if we look at it historically, um, it's, it's survival.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but now that we're in these new times, you know, we could excavate these stories and release them and let them go and really begin to identify um, the divine that we are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, I, I, I've made a joke about this before because I, 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 I see that across the board. Also, you know, there's a couple of areas where, where women make more money than men, and uh-huh. one of the biggest areas, and it's very comical, is the porn industry. And which to right. me is kind of, I mean, it's a powerful thing for a woman to be able to make that kind of money in that way, but again, but it's still from the idea of, of selling her, her sexual energy at, at some level that way. You know, women simply make more, more money than men. That's because three quarters of the dopey men on the planet would do porn for nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, so to me, that's that's why they get paid a quarter, you know what I mean? So, uh, But I, I think but that's a shame to me I remember I saw a thing on TV the other day and they were interviewing um, uh, rock stars, female rock stars like Stevie Nicks and Pat Benatar and they were talking about what they dealt with in the 70s and 80s and, you know, the come sit on my lap from the executive, you know, honey and, and that just blows my mind because, you know, some big fat male executive saying come sit on my lap, honey, to Pat Benatar. You know what I mean? You should have been kissing her feet, <laughs> you know, or Stevie Nicks for that matter. I mean, what are you, out of your mind? Exactly. You know what I mean? These are women of, of, of tremendous, tremendous power. But I'd love to make this quote, too, and I would say was very funny. Uh, I've told this to people a lot, too. It's very interesting because if you look at, at um, uh, drag queens and cross-dressers, they typically dress up as, um, as powerful women. Uh, Liza Minnelli and dolly Parton and and uh, Barbara Streisand and you know what I mean, and so I said isn 't it funny that male cross dressers pantomime themselves as older, mature, powerful women and share and things like that? They see the power of a woman in a right. completely different way, or, and they're envious of it and I, and I, right. I said to this woman they're like I never even would have thought about that and I said it 's very funny to me that 's so obvious to me from my perspective because a woman 's power is equal it 's just different. But I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, so many people have these wounds in their in their psyche. So many women have these wounds in their psyches um and that sense of inadequacy somehow and uh really valuable uh work I think you're doing to help people to you know to to move through it.
1: Absolutely, thank you. Thank you. And you know, you brought up the porn industry and I I talk a little bit about the porn industry in my book. Um because Women, you know, maybe porn stars in the porn industry, women porn stars may make more money than male porn stars, but the industry is primarily male-ran. Big money is being made by the men, and the women are profited from. That's one more industry that the women are profited from. And it's perfectly legal for a woman, a young a young girl, many times they're 18 year old girls, and you know there, there is something in the porn industry when a, a guy takes brand new a brand new fresh girl who has never been um, in a porn porn video before he reserves a, he receives a referral fee of anywhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars really so yes yes, and you know a lot of people don't realize that. Um, You know, we're very close to L.A., which is one of our, the biggest porn industry areas. Right. Um, Absolutely. Pimps are are very big in this, and they come to Phoenix, and they come to Scottsdale, and they pick up our 18-year-old girls pretending like they're their uh, boyfriends and getting them into porn and getting them into um, prostitution as well. That's big right here in Scottsdale. Wow. Um, just, so, just so you know that but men are making the most money now it's perfectly w- legal for a woman to go have sex on video to be sold but it's illegal for a woman to go be a prostitute and keep her own money
0: right. that right. she
1: will make you know, which is, which is where the power would be I'm not against prostitution in any way shape or form I'm against that, it being illegal, which keeps it underground, which, again, puts the males in power yeah. and the ones profiting from the women.
0: Absolutely. So, and I'm in total agreement with you on that. I've said that a million times to people, too. I just think anytime time you, you demonize something, you only make it more appealing to people at some level uh, in that sense. Um, but I, I, you know, I absolutely agree. I just think it's ludicrous that the whole system operates that way. I think, I'm joking, I, you know, if it was legal, I think marriages would go better in a lot of ways too. Uh, I, and there's that, a whole weird different theory on that, that I would, that just between the difference in the way male and, and men and women think. But I just think, you know, that anytime you, anytime you push something in that way, it does kind of take on an uglier element um, by bringing in, you know, people trying to profit from it in a, in a negative way. In that sense,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: Right. But it, absolutely. it's true, you know. It, we, we very much live in an incredibly patri- patriarchal culture. I uh, you know I, I've seen that I've seen that all of my life. Um, you know, I, I remember once uh, I, I was uh, with a friend of mine, and a waitress was waiting was a young waitress, and I, I'm assuming she was attempting to flirt with us, and uh, she was talking about you know, her life and some other things. And then she said to me, yeah, but what do I know? I'm just a dumb woman. Oh. And it just blew my mind when I heard that, that she would have thought that would have been a, a flirtation technique. You know what I mean? To say something like that at some level, that that right. would have been appealing. Uh, for It right. just made me feel like, you know, I wanted to say, why would you even say that? You know what I mean? Like, no, no way did you come across as dumb to me. What do you think that's going to make you more attractive? But, I, you know, it's such an extreme example. But I think, um, you yeah, women sometimes do fall into that, into that, that trap, you know, of, of, of thinking and believing that stuff too.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, we still grow up, um, you know, with the story that, you know, boys aren't going to like smart girls. You know, don't, don't be as smart as the boys. Yeah, I mean, that's still prevalent in our schools. Right. You know, there's there's still that gender bias in our schools, the gender bias when it comes to math and science and, you know, you know I mean, years ago, it has been 15 years ago, uh, I was married and my, my father-in-law, he would always say girls are stupid. And... Um, One day, my five-year-old son came in and told me, well, yeah, you know, girls are stupid. And he and I had to come to Jesus. He and I had to come to Jesus at that moment. And I wanted him to remember it. I wanted him to remember the conversation, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Years later, he goes, Mom, I was just repeating what I heard. And I said, yeah, I didn't want yeah. you to repeat it ever again. <laughs> right, and to release it.
0: Well, you know, I've said this, you know, I, I, I've known a number of, of I've had male friends in my life who are, um, I kind of call it the cosmic joke, and I think there's way more of them out there than people know, but they're men who are sexually attracted to women but don't like women. They think oh, they're inferior, definitely. but, I mean, they are all over the place. And I, I tell clients all the time, the moment you encounter that, say, bye, you know, do not even waste your time with such a thing because I've, I've, I've encountered it, especially when I was in my early 20s. I saw a lot of guys that were that way. Um, they, You know, they oh, just thought oh, the guys are smart and women are stupid and I don't like them, you know what I mean, but I still want to, of course, have sex with them in that sense. And I was like, wow, what an amazing right. um, paradigm to live through it oh, right! you know that's shameful in that way but i i think you're right a lot of times the same thing they were fed this this line uh, about life in that sense and they made judgments and they and they they follow them without really thinking about them you know
1: sure right. sure i mean you know this patriarchal society Wounds women, but it wounds men just as much. Yeah. You know, we are whole beings. We both have a feminine, feminine and a masculine side, and and women are supposed to be all feminine and men are supposed to be all masculine, and it wounds it wounds everybody. And so that's going to show up in different ways. It's going to show up as men resenting women but wanting to have sex with them, and women using men um yep. you know for money and power you, you know it shows up and and basically we're sort of victims of the cultural stories until you wake up to it when you start noticing and looking around then you can take your power back and say oh i don't have to be that way you know but until you until somebody shakes you a little bit and says look at this you know which is what I wanted to do with, with my book because so many women don't even understand what's going on around them. They don't understand what they're, what they're saying when they insult themselves or when they insult other women or when they blame the, when they blame the mistress when their husband has an right. affair. Right. You know, that makes That's
0: no what, sense to me. I, I see. I see this all the time. Even like I'll, I'll watch Jerry Springer once in a while, or some hideous show like that. People say, "Why would you watch?" I'm like, "It's called purposely being stupid." It, it, you know, sometimes <laughs> just for me, it's I don't. I don't get anything from it except that I, it's absolutely like to me, it's it's 45 minutes of complete stupidity. But what what's a, to me what I notice, and and, and that brings up that point uh, a, a lot in that sense is I notice like when a woman cheats the exact same thing you're talking about. And then they also, they keep calling the woman a slut. Now, in some <laughs> cases that to me is, is valid if, if she's, you know, the home wrecker and all those other things. Of course, I didn't take into account the other woman's c- creation of the event as well. But that, that aside, but the thing that I always blows my mind when I hear, hear that is I think that women almost sometimes beat each other up for liking sex or being sexual beings. And I think that's baloney. I, I to me, you know, I, I guess I, I, I just think that, you know, I put sex in the same category as I do good cheesecake or a good cigar. It's just <laughs> okay. a great thing in the right circumstance. If you OD on it, that's not a good thing. But in the right circumstance. And, and in a healthy way, there's nothing wrong with it in that sense. But that's something that I see, this, this attack on, on a woman for being a slut, you know, even if she wears a low cut a low-cut blouse, and, you know, in a situation, oh, look at the way she's dressing. She's a slut. Well, what are you so mean to each other for (laughs) in that sense? If you got them, sell them, you know? I don't, you know, don't wear them at church, you know what I mean? But if you're going out for the night and you got a good rack, you show your rack, you know what I mean? What what are you talking about? You know what I mean? It's just, another attribute of beauty, you know? But uh, I see that brutality that operates, and it it just blows my mind, Uh, you know? I wish people would be kinder to each other, women would be kinder to each other.
1: Well, and and as we build our self confidence and self esteem, we will. But that goes back to the archetypes too. Yeah. I mean, women have two major archetypes to choose from: um, the virgin and the whore. Mm. You know, I mean th- that that's in biblical times. We had Mother Mary, the virgin, who had a family. You know, through <laughs> divine intervention.
0: Right. And then Mary, she didn't Mary have an Magdalene. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, th- we haven't really had a. We don't have stories. You're either an angel or um, a, a sinner.
0: So, so the, it's, it's the right the fox. Like it's, that's what I would say when I uh, when, when people call a woman a fox, there's a dual message in it. It means she's sexy at one level, but she's sly and cunning at some right. level as well. There's a double whammy in it. You know, I would say that it's funny because there's like there's a million bad words for a woman and like four for men. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, again, such a patriarchal culture in that way. And and it is. I I think it's great uh, what you're doing. So we got a couple of minutes here. Tell me a little bit uh, about the soul retrieval. Uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're running low on time here. These hours go really fast, as you can obviously now tell. Um, <laughs> me too, tell me a little bit about the soul retrieval work, and we'll finish there. Well, what
1: I do is soul realignment work, and realignment, um, right. some of that is soul retrieval. I go into my client's Akashic Records, and I look for any blocks or barriers to what's going on. There can be old vows from past lives. There can be missing mm-hmm. soul fragments from past and present life trauma or giving them away. There can be negative entity the attachments. There can be negative programs running in the chakra. So during the soul realignment reading, I go in, do the research, look look for all the blocks and barriers, and then I clear it. I clear it um, with prayer work and it's gone. And it's incredibly empowering to people to know themselves as souls i also look at the history of their soul i look at the soul origination most of us many of us here that are doing this kind of work the metaphysical work the spirituality are star seeds so i look to see what planet you came from and what energies what blueprint you're bringing to earth so it can be a great a great piece of the work i do to know yourself as a soul because then the hypnosis and the EFT work I'm doing is clearing all the stories out so that you can be a more pure expression of the soul that you came here to be.
0: Awesome. And, you know, and I, I, let me say let me here, too, um, I've actually done some of this type of work with the, with the soul alignment work and which I work with, with, a, with practitioners who do that type of work that, that you're doing. And I've done uh-huh. this, and I've got to tell you, just all the listeners that are going to catch us live and later on, listen, guys it, 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 and girls, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it works. It really works. I worked with someone, and I went back in, and I saw that I, I, I had this sense, even as a child, that I came here to have a life of, of fun. I would have m- way more fun than the average human being. That was what I was going to do. And I got beaten up for emotionally and psychologically from family and people around me. It, they told me it was suspect that I was this way. And I did this work, and I caught it, and I saw it. And i got to tell you, since I did it, you know what? I mean, I've been, you know, I just, I, I love the fact that people get annoyed that I, I have such a good time in this life. I love the work I do. I love the life that I'm living. I go to Vegas seven times a year. I just, I love it. I'm very happy. And I got that part back, and I realized I had blocked it out. And it was the very type of work uh, that Michelle is talking about. So it works. Um, okay, we're down on the last two minutes. So Michelle, Excellent. give them one more, one more final thought and where they can reach you. Uh,
1: you can find me at my website, uh, www. You can also find me on Facebook at Athena Rising Now on Facebook, and Michelle Lee, C. H. for Certified Hypnotherapist. So like me on Facebook. You can also find Athena Rising Now on Twitter.
0: Awesome. Excellent. Thank Very good. You. Well, thank you for, for being here today. Great topic of conversation. You know, every once in a while I get a guest and they say, well, you know, we have an hour, you know, what are you going to ask me? I'm like, one, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to ask you. Watch how fast it goes. Trust me. You know I don't shut the hell up, and I, I and certainly I I get my guests don't shut the hell up because you're talking about something you're passionate about. It's very easy to exactly. do. Exactly. Uh, you know. So yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, absolutely. Thank you for being here. Uh, really great interview. Uh, and uh, we'll, and we'll catch up with you another time. All right.
1: Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Jim.
0: All right. Awesome. Again, thanks uh, to uh, Michelle for uh, all her, her insight here. Again, check out her work. Uh, check out her book. Uh, definitely do the uh, like on, on Facebook. It's great to get those feeds, uh, guys. And uh, we're finishing up our show here today. So thank you for joining me, whether you caught the show live or are you catching in the archives, which a lot of you will be doing. Thank you again for joining us. I'll be here next week for my astrology update, and there'll be a chance for you to call in for for the end of the show for a couple of people to get a free mini, two, five-minute mini reading, and we'll fill you in on what's going on astrologically. Thanks for joining me here on Snake Oil. Everybody have an awesome day. Cheers.